everybody. We're live and in color. Um, what do they say on Saturday Night Live? Uh, live from New York. It's Saturday night. So, there you go. Good morning. Morning, Schwartzy. Good morning. Morning, Ernie Marsh. Glad you're aboard, my friend. Yeah. I, I, I have be. to say, Schwartzy, that... I, uh, this is this is all my immediate family of the TCA has joined us now. We've had Troy on, and now this my this is my older brother, not by age, but by seniority. Right, Ernie? We don't want to talk about age. Yeah, right. No, that's a bad subject. One of the three remaining founding members of the TCA. That's right. One we go back a long ways. Well, I was trying to think earlier this morning, Ernie. When, where did I meet you? You remember when we met? Was it Jordan Valley or Elko or one of them yeah, places? One of like the two. That, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Could have been. Could have been Elko. Uh, probably was Elko because we got we were going there with Vicky Mullins' deal at the Red Lion, and you showed. I remember you started showing up with that gun engraving on your spurs, and it just rocked the world. It, it was. I should have yeah. broke the bank and just went in there and bought all your inventory. Well, so I I got a yeah. That brings up a very good question, Ernie. Were you the first to do that? Uh, pretty much. Uh, Diane Scalise and her husband were doing it too, but they're the only yeah. ones that I knew of at the time, uh, and I didn't even run onto them for a year or two. Uh, over here in Cody, you know, but mm-hmm. I'll tell you why I got involved with that. I, it was kind of an accident, really. Nobody was doing that kind of stuff, right? But, mm-hmm. uh, gee, I was kind of starving out trying to make bits and spurs. And, and uh, I thought, man, I I love them. I gotta, I'll got i keep doing them, but I think for a living, uh, you know, I might have to switch over to firearms engraving. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'd been put out of a job uh, cutting timber by the spotted owl, right? But I didn't really want to do that mm-hmm. for the rest of my life anyway. So uh, I thought, well, I'll, I'll learn to engrave those guns. And and uh, so I put myself through that school down there in uh, Susanville. And, of course, you can't just go around practicing on people's guns, you know. That's <laughs> no. Heck, I'll just I'll just put some of that on my bits and spurs, and and uh, it just took off. It took off like crazy. I mean, I went from you know three or four months worth of orders to to two or three years worth of orders stacking up on me, uh, just within a what? short period of time. You know. Well, you know when so when I started engraving, the first thing that Greg showed me, the first books he showed me were Ron Smith's that first book of Ron's, and uh, and then the James Meek book, and so all of it was firearm engraving oriented, right? And uh, man, I was like, that is so cool, and I wanted to do it so bad, but but just scared and didn't know that all you had to do was stick the tool in the metal and go to the engraving, right? But but uh, I was just scared, scared to death of it and, and was pretty convinced that nobody in our Western culture would ever spend that much money on something to to afford the time that it would take to do something like that. And then that article in Western Horseman came out and, and, and I wasn't it wasn't a goal to be the first, but 
it was a goal to simply do it. I didn't know whether guys were doing it or not. I just had never seen it. And then that article in Western Horseman, and was it 01, I think, where y'all had that article in there, the TCA show. And I was like, well, obviously I won't be the first, but that's cool. And it was you yeah. and Mark, you know, your, I think your pistol bit was in there, you know, and I was yeah. like, that's a cool, that's the coolest stuff ever. And that's when my, that's when my, uh, bromance with you started and that's when i fell in love with the great ernie marsh so <laughs> yeah no i mean we certainly it wasn't we weren't the first it was just out of fashion i mean you see that stuff in museums hundreds of years yep. ago the same yeah it was just it was just out of fashion and the main reason for that was 97 percent of everything bits and spurs in the 80s and 90s i mean it was all imported right from yep. mexico and i guess yeah. yeah and that's you know had a blue finish on it we like that i like those i thought they were cool you know that's, oh, that's oh, yeah. for then right so you know I think your mm-hmm. your work first time I'd seen French gray. What's the story on that? That that added a whole different look to the to the deal. Yeah, that's just a finish that the firearms engravers have been using for forever, you know. Uh and they 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 do a lighter finish so that when they antique the background that the engraving actually pops out, you know, and shows up well, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you, cool. you spend three months engraving something and you blew it all and you can't see a damn thing. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so they, mm-hmm. yeah, and even uh, you look at some of the firearms engraving, it's very light, very light. It's not yeah. very deep, but, but with the ink or whatever they mm-hmm. put in the background, it makes it pop out, you know. You can't, you can't engrave deep on every part of a firearm. I mean, you know, the, you start doing the cylinders on a revolver. You don't want to cut them down too deep. You could have problems. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's part of it. It's always scared to crap out of me with firearms, and I've not, en- not en- I've engraved a couple, but not very many at all, because uh, I don't make them right. So the bits and spurs, I can jack that up, and I feel completely comfortable because I made it. But a firearm, oh, it's intimidated the hell out of me. I'm like, oh no, can't. Oh yeah, you don't have to worry about uh, you know your bit blowing up on somebody and being liable. <laughs> you might be liable if they have a big runaway or something. But well, yeah, if you if you got if you got one shank on each side of the neck around the breast collar, that's a bad scenario too. Exactly. Exactly. Not, not that's, that's, yet. that's two reoccurring uh nightmares every bit <laughs> uh, one, yeah. of, one, of, one of them is with his kid at the junior rodeo on his third lap of a runway going around the arena <laughs> <laughs> the other one is at the autopsy with a veterinarian uh pulling a cricket out of a horse's esophagus with a tweezers <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's and we're bad. not talking about an I insect either. Not an insect. No, no, <laughs> not the insect cricket. You know, th- thanks, Ernie. That's going to be my dream tonight. I've never thought of <laughs> swallowing a cricket. But... Oh man, 
Uh, well, when, when a student asks you if it's okay to soft solder that in, you tell them. You tell them that. <laughs> that is not okay. No. Exactly. Well, yeah, I thought you were going to tell us you'll go into school in your underwear dream, but no, you no. need to bring the cricket up. Yeah, exactly. Oh uh, well. <laughs> Well, you were you two were in a you were in a good conversation before I derailed this about TCA and and uh, I mean tell so I had a question about that as 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 you know so the great Schwartzy here Ernie and Mike Beaver had the very first conversation in the mind of hey let's start this thing let's wouldn't it be nice if and so they go from there and who called you about about being a founding member and kind of getting together and talking about this. It was Mike, Mike Beaver. Yeah. Mike called you. Yeah, we talk about it at Elko down there and and then he called me up and and I was I was pretty honored. I mean, holy moly. Uh, you know, get around Harwood and Dale, Dale yeah. Harwood and Don King and and uh all them guys is I was I was pretty honored to be, be a part of that deal. So had you already met Mr. Tejan and have his his uh, line of oh, line of bits? Oh, yep, yeah. I had just got that the year before, you know. Uh, so I knew, cool. you know, I knew Elmer real good before he passed away, and then and then Al talked with Al, and and uh, you know ended up taking over his line of stainless bits. Yeah. So you knew him. Well, that's cool. And did you know John Ennis? Uh, you know, I did not. I did not. And he he lived way down in Simi Valley, California at that time. But Right. Did you Had you ever heard of his work? Oh, yeah. I heard of him? Yeah. yeah. He yeah. was. I first heard of his work back in the mid-'80s. I seen a Western Horseman article with his uh, spurs in it, and uh, I was pretty inspired. Huh by looking at him you know inspired defeated all kinds of cool <laughs> things <laughs> it's like, you, think, you think you just need a welder to make spurs and then you see something like that it's like the mount everest there in front of you you know so yeah it's gonna be know. a bigger job than i thought that's what just <laughs> some of his yeah, this this the great the, John the level of difficulty. Yeah, the level of difficulty just got higher in the room when he shows up. Oh sure. yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool. Of course, you knew Mark Dahl and Bill. Did you know Bill Heisman? Uh, I I did not know Bill. I knew Mark Dahl, and I knew Mark Drain. Yeah, uh, and I knew Chuck Storms. Those not so That's much. Cool. Most well, I knew Don King too. I'd made him some spurs. Uh, hmm. They're in his museum over in Sheridan now. That's that's kind of he used to order stuff from a lot of different guys and just mm-hmm. to collect. Yeah, and, you uh, know he um the the right before he died, I, when we were at Wagon Town, he ordered a bit off of me, and. I think he passed before I got to it, and I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure that 
we followed through on the order or not. I can't remember mm-hmm. if I made whether I what was his wife's name. I forget. Dummy me. Dorothy. Dorothy. But Dorothy. Right. Yeah, Dorothy. I'm not sure if I reached out and asked if she still wanted something or not for the museum. But no telling. She probably had other things to think about. Yeah, silly old bit for sure. I don't know if I told you guys about this uh, getting off on a on a deal here, but just she told a Good. story. She told a story at Don's funeral that that just cracked me up. Uh, he was he was in the Navy, and uh, he got off on leave, and I think it was a rodeo. Might have been Prescott, Arizona, or Wilcox, or someplace. And uh, so he he had a couple days leave, and and they all went went to this rodeo down there. He got all the way down there, didn't have any Levi's, so he ended up riding his saddle bronc, <laughs> pair of you know navy blue bell bottoms. <laughs> his his navy uniform. Huh? <laughs> he had the lower had the. Yeah, wool, you know, those thin navy blue wool bell-bottom britches. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. I that Con- was what was the, the, the cowboy in the continental suit? He <laughs> come rode the bronc. That's, oh, yeah. that's gone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was a cowboy. You bet. Uh, that's cool. Uh, Pretty cool. neat to have, well, have been able to spend time with those guys like that uh, before they passed away. One of my, you told me about just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I don't remember which conversation it was. You were talking about having gotten to know um, Tom Dorrance, and you were going yeah, to shows you know, down in California. Bit. Yeah, he show up. Uh, Oh, there was a couple of Western shows at Plymouth. Uh, and uh, San Inez. I'm not sure if he went to San Inez. I know I seen him at Plymouth and a couple of years. Uh, several of them shows down there, maybe Paso Robles. Uh, but him, him and Dick Deller, you know, they were buddies. And, uh, you know, I was just a young dummy trying to make bits. And I, I think the first time I went down there, somebody pointed those guys out and said, Hey, Hey kid, if you want to, want to know anything <laughs> about that stuff, why don't you go talk to them guys? Yeah. Every, every chance I could, I was pretty much in their pocket, you know, uh, they were, they were what? really, really helpful uh, just giving me their thoughts, different different aspects of brace wires, fade bits, different things. That had to be a big, um, uh, a big eye opener, I guess, or a big source of uh, resource. Uh, Dick Deller's uh, collection, seeing all them things, right? I mean, good gosh, it's a lot of bridal bits. Well, it was it wasn't his. It was a friend of his. Uh, Lots of good. Yeah, Marilee Morell at the time. And then Marilee Doss. That was her her father's collection. 
but they were they were close family. Oh, the- okay that that wasn't Dick's collection, right? Oh, okay. Well, I still there's a lot of that that there's a lot of bits in that collection, a lot of things to look at and go from. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, what? man. They would have that collection all over the place. Every every show you went down there uh, in California, it was they'd they'd haul that thing out. And, yeah, Bitmaker could spend a long time looking at that stuff, you know. For sure. Well, you, <laughs> speaking of of braces and all that, and, and uh, spade bits, you know, which being from Texas gives me an automatic I can't build one card, right? Because we're from Texas, but. I've learned so much over the years looking at yours and and talking to you about it. But one of the things, you know, they they got the braces that basically go straight from the from the spoon, the port up there, straight to the bars. They don't they don't swoop down and having curved to them. They just go straight across, and they got the big teeth marks in them. And if they've ever been used and all that, and mm-hmm. one time Carrie Ernie said, Willie, do you know why those steel bits like that when, from them old ones? And and I said, No, I don't know why. Ernie said because they didn't work. Nobody used them. <laughs> <laughs> the ones the ones that were working good they were worn out and they're they're in a pile of rust and gone now but the ones that straight across nobody could use uh, yeah, that's funny a lot of those bits were made uh <laughs> those bearmans and stuff i mean they were very well intentioned i'm sure but they're made in new jersey you know so uh they <laughs> That's worse than Texas, isn't it? New Jersey. <laughs> You'll see a lot of those old bits with the spades cut out of them. Uh, yeah. Just, just uh, converted back to a half breed, you know. Sure. Uh, they just sawed, sawed the mouthpiece out of them. Or, well, that they would have converted it in California. They'd have converted it to the half breed in Texas. They just saw it off, clear off, and leave a straight bar. Oh, Hell yeah. Quite a lot. Drive, drive a team. Drive a team of mules with it, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I can see their point. If it don't work, why waste a nail on the wall to hang it on? Just saw that thing out of there. <laughs> yeah, make it gone. No, but uh, they did well, what they needed to do. I know, Ernie. I mean, like, so you and I both come from two different worlds in a lot of ways with our bit making, but we're we're very similar in function and, and our discussions of function and all and it's been great over the years to 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 discuss it with you and and how your approach like for the TCA show a lot of times is is kind of down the middle you know we don't try to be extreme one way or the other but try mm-hmm. to make something that's going to fit a lot of different people from a function standpoint and you and I both know that we can get a lot of opinions of what's good and what's not good when it comes to a bridal bit Oh, sure. And you can't argue with, you know, gee, I've had customers that do things uh, way differently, but you can't argue with their success, you know. You're right. Yeah, their hands are pulling on it, not ours, so who are we to argue with them, right? Sure, sure. But you got to keep an open mind as, as when you're making bits. It's, uh, I mean, you can make what you want, but... but uh you know, you can't chisel in stone what's good and what ain't, because, because I, like I say, I've got a lot of people out there I've worked with that have a ton of success and do things yeah. completely different. Uh, you know, exactly. They start their horse different. They ride them different. They show them different. They, and they're both they're both right. 
but they don't yeah. <laughs> they don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You see I'm the sure same you get thing some in saddles. Yeah. In the saddle world you see the same yeah. thing. Sure. It's just amazing. You get a bunch you get ten guys together in a room and you got twelve different opinions. And and they all seem to be having success. Uh, of some degree, I guess you have to define what success is, but, but, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. it's just astonishing to me how there's such a, you know, all these different approaches and everybody seems to be having, having fun. So. I bet, uh, I bet there's topics of discussion, putting a ground seat in a saddle between saddle makers and then the guys that are riding them and the whole, I bet there, we won't talk about glue sniffers and uh, and some of their attitudes, but if we threw Big John in a room, you're going to know the opinion, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All good. Well, so Ernie used to uh, ride bulls, so we had Nate last week talk about bull riding. You used to ride some bulls too, didn't you? Yeah, I used to. I used to really like that. That's that's kind of what I was all about from about. Age uh, eight to age twenty-eight—that was my whole uh, my whole life, you know, pretty much riding bulls. Well, and you know, and cowboy and working on a ranch, uh, but I never took the I never took the job that said you couldn't leave. You know, I was always on the weekends. I was out of there, so my uh, cowboying was by the hour during the week, pretty much. You know, I didn't want to be mm -hmm. that full-time guy under their under their thumb because you know i could win more than a thousand dollars a month yeah <laughs> yeah exactly have a saturday off once in a while you know so uh yeah and, and rodeo cowboys and and bitten spur makers slash craftsmen aren't real good at accounting accounting all we knew is how much we won we didn't know how much it cost us to get there so uh <laughs> sure on, Long yeah. as we were cashing checks, we were good, right? It all added up to zero anyway, didn't it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so for all of us, you know, so so very often we have a rodeo uh, background of some sort, whether it was a career or, or just a good way to spend our money. But uh, so many of us have done that, and I think it just prepped us for uh, this craftsman world if we're not careful. Yeah. Good. So. You got a, you got, you have a success story that you hate telling, but I'm going to tell the world about it, right? We don't want to blow up any myth, but did you not get on a young three-year-old bull somewhere at one point that had never been rode and you rode him? Oh, yeah. Red Rock. <laughs> well, he, nobody ever got on him, I don't think. <laughs> but you rode him, huh? I did ride him at an amateur rodeo in Sisters, Oregon. Uh, yeah, 1979. That's, that's pretty cool, and you we don't want to blow up the the, the uh, whole Red Rock Day and all that. And it's awesome what that bull did and what Lane Frost did and all that. But I do think it's a pretty cool backstory that you got on him at a young age and was it was successful. Let's say that. Yeah, he was like three, and I was like sixteen. You know, so <laughs> two kids <laughs> got together. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Any little bugger trying to turn around in the chute that day, you know, and then, of course, you know, the next time you seen him the next year, he, you know, he weighed about 
1500 pounds and nobody warmed him up for a long time after that (laughs) right so well you can you should start taking credit for pissing him off right i mean he didn't ever want that to happen again for many years you know (laughs) didn't like that yeah (laughs) he didn't like that he didn't even turn back with me but he you know he jumped higher in your head you know just out through there saw the stars huh so how did you you had your pro card and did all that i'm assuming for a while yeah uh well that first year was 79 that was in the amateurs and i didn't i didn't get a my permit till like 1984 and then i filled it the first weekend i had it and then i had to get the card cuz back then yeah. you couldn't go to both you could only oh. go to amateurs or pros he couldn't do uh-huh. both. So, so then, you know, I was doing all right in the amateurs. And then I, I got my, and I did really good the first weekend in the pros, except after that, yeah, I got my card. And <laughs> yeah. I got a little hungry after that. Yeah. So I didn't make <laughs> yeah. a good I hung around there till about 89 and, and, uh, you know, people asked me, Oh my God, why'd you, Why'd you quit riding bulls? You know, it's like, well, gee, you're, my ass started getting a little rounder and the top of my head started to flatten out, you know? Lord. So I think I asked a while ago, did you know Nate? Did you, did I, you know no, Nate? Didn't, yeah. Did not. I think I was just a little bit before Nate, you know, we knew a lot of the same guys, uh, but yeah. I didn't know him. He was, I was in the North, you know, I wasn't in the Montana circuit, you know. Right. Huh. I mean, you know, we'd step out and go to Reno and Cheyenne or whatever. Some of the big ones are fun to go to, you know, but sure. as far as, far as just didn't spend a lot of time in the wilderness circuit, you know. Right. Right. Well, y'all are close to the same age, right? I mean, aren't you and Nate? Yeah, I'm, I think I'm, a, little, I'm a little older than him. Yeah. I got a, I got yeah. a couple of years on Nate, I think. At, at this I, point in the journey, it's not that much. But back then, it might have been, huh? <laughs> yeah. I, I quit uh, I quit rodeoing in 89, and I never really – I was always going to go back to it. As soon as I got my – I thought, you know what? I ain't really got much of anything in the whole wide world. I think I'll just get my shit together and then go go back at it, you know. And I'm, I'll, I'll let you know when that happens. <laughs> it's like thirty years ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know the the. Um... The, the classification, the team roping made me get a little hungry too. I had to start roping with the big boys and, and uh, that's how the bit and spur thing started for me. I needed a job to go rope. Mm-hmm. I I, and I'm like you, I'll get my stuff together one day and go back <laughs> at it maybe. But. <laughs> oh, well. Did you ever rodeo, Schwartzy? Did you ever do any, did you ever rope or get on anything? I've never done, done any well, I used to say I never did rough stock intentionally, mm. inadvertently. Sometimes. Yeah, that was my form of rough stock too. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Here, here's my little rodeo story. When I first landed here in this valley, they had a they called it 
Western Play Days. It was sponsored by the local roping club here. I've got, I won the businessman's cow ride. I've got a <laughs> buckle to prove it. 1984. Sweet. And I had a buddy, Joe Heaps, was, uh, who's passed away now, but he was an old bull raider from back then. And I borrowed his, borrowed his bull rope and his shafts and stuff and, and, uh, whatnot. And <clears throat> I mean, I'd, I, of course, been riding horses and whatnot, but I just never did step across to, a bull or a wild cow, and they just they just brought some cattle in from the Swallen Ranch outside of town. I mean, they they they'd never had anything. I I remember talking to one bull rider, Bill Felker, here one time, rode Bronx and bulls, and he said, "You ain't getting me on one of them cows." He said, "Those are dangerous." <laughs> he said, "You never know what they're going to do. At least with a bull, you can kind of pattern them, you know, and stuff." But so I really didn't know what I was going to do. But I hung and rattled for a little while, and they, of course, my competition was pretty, pretty anemic. But uh, and they quit that after a couple more years because they were sending guys that should never be doing that to the hospital. <laughs> These guys from wow. downtown, you know, the shop owners and stuff like that, were getting on those cows, and that was that was a bad formula. So that's my <laughs> whole deal. As far as team roping, I've I've team roped a little bit, but not enough to say that I really did it. All um, right. Well, there, there's all kinds of uh, smart things to say about team ropers and how well they're liked and disliked. But uh, yeah, I'm one of them, so it's all good. I tried really hard to learn to ride saddle bronc horses, but. Uh... Teresa just, she kind of got me pegged. I was like the human lawn dart, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That's what she used to say. (laughs) Teresa was real supportive then, huh? (laughs) Human lawn dart. Yeah, lift on your rein. Don't pull on it, you moron, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you did it again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> shoot you right out there would it oh boy yeah that's funny it's, you know that's you right off of there the minute you start pulling on that instead of lifting yeah uh, ernie i did i got on two when i was 15 and uh, i thought it was the greatest thing in the world i loved every second of it but same thing uh, you know i muscled up and pulled like hell and sent me out there on my head the same way you know <laughs> Lift. I said, lift hell. I'm going to fly off of this son bitch if I don't pull, you know. <laughs> and I did. I flew. Yeah, I was right so happy those guys that could do a good job at that, you know. Once they, once they got really good at it, them good bronc riders, I mean, hell, they were just having fun, you know. It was just fun. Yeah, it, it looks fun, you know, all graceful and the classic event and everybody likes. Oh, yeah, tell you a joke and light a smoke and nod their head and go to it, you know. It's like, geez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't ever too envious of the timeries or the Stetson Wrights getting on as many different things as they do, you know. That, that, that looked like it would hurt by the end of the week, but. That'll wear on you eventually. And, you know, people used to tell you that, you know, now that I, I understand it now, not so much then, but hey, them guys are so talented now, but 
you know, <laughs> you win, win as much money as he does, you won't have to worry about working very much. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy until the new hips show up and things like that, right? And I mean, yeah, you're, exactly. You're paying for some of that. You're kind of, you were, I'm not going to, last year was not real good. Seeing Ernie at, at Oklahoma City, I was a little worried about you. Hip was catching and popping, but this year you were ready to dance. You're oh, ready yeah. To- yeah, I got the brand new titanium uh, hip, you know, and uh, it's it's made a world of difference in my uh, my life. Uh, just not uh, hurt. You know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Operating well, was in that, pain was is that no from, fun. R- no, it's not. Not at all. Not at all. Well. Oh well, where uh, got big plans for the twenty fifth, Ernie? For our twenty uh, fifth show? Yeah, I'd like to come out with some. I'm thinking about it pretty hard. Uh, I'd like, you know, I'd like to make some some more nice stuff, but I want a well rounded uh, price range of items. You mm-hmm. know. One, one, me one, too major piece and something in the middle and then then something uh you know that only takes two or three weeks uh (laughs) (laughs) minor piece that takes three weeks huh exactly yeah Yeah, minor pieces 175 hours or whatever yeah yeah (laughs) yeah i don't well I've been failing miserably at the at the middle piece. I'm pretty damn good at the big piece, but the 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 middle piece has ended up being a big piece the last couple of years. It's my 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 pencil gets the best of me, and I get carried away drawn, and all of a sudden I got two big pieces. Dead gummit. Yeah, I try to. It's hard to build a, a piece to a certain price point, you know, and that's that's why I just. I've gotten away from the custom orders for the most part, you know, in the last 15 or 20 years because it's, it's so easy. It's hard. Yeah, it's so easy to screw yourself, you know. And I've always been that guy that says, you know, I could make this a little bit nicer. But. <laughs> <laughs> so now, now i got three more days in it than what, what you know of and of course you didn't charge for it so you get you get thumped you know and the only yeah. way to avoid that is to put a too high of a price quote on there and then you're thumping them so to me it's easier yeah. to just uh make the item and then then i know what, what? I got and i can yeah you get i can be fair to both the customer and myself that way you know yeah, you you get to charge at the end of the day when you're building show pieces or or for sell pieces. Is that um, mm-hmm. uh, you don't have to price it until you're done. And your hands, as Carrie says, let the hands be a part of the process. And if you figure out something in the middle of the of the process that you just you see something that would enhance it, then you get to do it without the fear of losing money. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I totally agree, Ernie. That is the hardest part of being a custom maker, which I'm up to my chinny chin in, chinny chin chin in. But it's it's that bidding, right? It's figuring out what it's going to cost, how much time it's going to take to do something that you've never done before. Yeah, that's tough. That, or even uh, even things that you have done before. I mean, just because you've done them before doesn't necessarily mean they're going to smooth out for you. Some of these no. things. 
just kind of hard to do, you know. I mean, oh yeah. <laughs> you ever, either one of you ever get to the point where you've or get in the middle of a project that you've done a few times before, but it's been a while, and you're like, "How the hell did I do that? I could have sworn it went smoother that time than it is now. Oh, like it's sucking now. Yeah. I can't remember. Oh hell, wait till you get older, Willie. I mean, geez. <laughs> Yeah, shit, I'll I'll have a little, I'll have to make a tool or something to do something, you know, and I'll think, you know, I've done this before, I must have one of those, and I'll look all over the place for this whatever little gadget I got to bend this thing with, or Mm -hmm. whatever, and I'll take the time to make a new one, and then I get done with the project, and I chuck it over in a can right next to one that looks just like it, didn't even (laughs) so... Yeah, I'll have multiple tools. When I pass away, I'll have people looking through the hands going, what the hell is that for, you know? <laughs> and I, it's the truth, funny though. Thing is, I couldn't tell you myself most of the time. It's like, I don't know what no. I do. <laughs> In the same way, Sam Gooding, our blacksmith and farrier friend, he said, never, ever repurpose a tool. Never repurpose it. It's like, Leave a tool, whatever it is, if you made it, it's for a specific reason. And I've told him, just like what you said, but I can't remember what it's for. Doesn't matter. It'll, it'll, you'll need it someday. Don't ever repurpose it. So now you got a shop full of cans that you have no idea what's in them, right? It's just exactly. cans of stuff. Hey, you sort through there. <laughs> can't remember how it worked. That's, that's why I like teaching these younger people, you know, how to make bits and spurs. It's because, Another 10 years when I totally lose my mind, I can call them up and say, hey, how the hell did I do <laughs> So that brings, up, that brings something up that I want to I hear from you about and tell everybody about what you're doing with your schools and how you're, how, you know, so I'm kind of pulling my horns in on, on classes, scheduled classes in my shop, but you're, you're grabbing it. You're grabbing the bull by the horns and doing some of that. So tell people what you're doing there. Well, I'm not advertised anything, but it's more of a word of mouth deal. And if somebody wants to spend a, a few days here, uh, it's mainly a one-on-one situation. So, uh, for like engraving, I'll do a three day engraving session. Three days is plenty. I mean, in three days, yeah, I uh, give them enough information they can go home and spend the next six months learning it, right? Yep. And then we yep. can talk later. You know? And the, the bit and spur making, though, as you well know, if you're going to make them from scratch, uh, uh, in a, <clears throat> a 10-day course, you you got to hump right along to make out of California's furs from from scratch. Yeah, and if you're going to decorate them, do the whole nine yards. That's a that's, sure. That's a full yeah. ten days. So in the course of that, we'll I try to break it up to where we spend a few hours afternoons engraving, so that when when those mm-hmm. spurs get to that point that or the bit that, that they'll won't be shaking in their shoes. To, to embellish so, right. a couple times though I've had guys do such nice metal work that they're like you know I think I'm going to wait and engrave these when I, you know, after a while and that's okay too uh, so sure. they just 
just cut on practice plates or whatever, but but and that's worked out pretty good. Practice inlays and you, you go through the inlay process with them in the whole nine yards, I'm guessing. In, inlays and overlays and engraving. Yeah. Layouts for spurs and and rowels. Uh sure. Talk about designs. I mean we got challenge with bits and spurs is, you know, you got little areas that are odd and how do you how do you find something that, that gracefully fills up those areas? Kind and of you know, deck decorating the whole right completing the project the whole thing and, and you're right we got little spots on there that deserve silver require silver or something and then you're like oh my gosh that and that are we always got crap sticking up in our way right stuff's always in our way and it's like i don't want to you see guys all the time i don't want to go there so they don't do anything and then it looks like crap you know mm-hmm. yeah when you do spurs i mean spurs are a special uh uh <laughs> special deal because you got that shank you're trying to reach into a 90 degree inside uh corner yeah you have to almost learn how to engrave frontwards and backwards to i i you do have to right i mean you gotta learn how to go backwards right yep yeah yep so it just takes a little more i recommend people learn how to do it though and you know the same with cutting on a curve everybody's oh i I engrave all my stuff and then I form it, you know, it's like, it's, it's probably smarter just to learn to cut on that curve, you know, because <laughs> you're, you know what I'm going to say, don't you? You're not going to flat out that guy's Colt six shooter to engrave on his no. Also, <laughs> you might just want to cut on a curve, you know, it's- I, I I remember Ernie one time you were teaching a class and, and you were talking about engraving on the curve and we were in Oklahoma City and and you said, Yeah, everybody wanna learn the secret on cutting a concho and you know and, and oh everybody just like dropped what they were doing, perked up and you they just knew you were gonna have the big secret and you told them just grow up and learn how to engrave a curve. <laughs> That's all there is to it. <laughs> just, no, no way around it. Just defeated the hell out of them. They were just, were just just like, oh no, I didn't want to learn, but you told them, and you're right, it, it sucks, but you just got to learn how to do it. Pretty much, all yeah, yeah, and it's not rocket science, right? I mean, neither one of us are rocket scientists. It's just just a matter of figuring it out. Actually, uh, some cuts are easier when you're going up over a curve. Uh, to yeah. me, you know, it's going down, going down, and, and that's yeah. Uh, yeah, because the material's falling away from you, so you're trying to keep up with it, and it exactly that becomes problematic. Yep. That's mm. all. You got wisdom on that, Carrie? You want to you want to add to that engraving on a curve comment there? Oh, I've heard the same thing. You know, a lot, no. of, a lot of people getting going. If they'll engrave it flat and then form it, and then it and blows yeah. out everything. You know, all your cuts and stuff. Or, all all wrong and stuff but i have to say and i i told ernie and Teresa here i don't know probably more than once that ernie's design work is i feel as good as anybody i know out there i mean he he's building dedicated space his the movement that he has in his cuts and everything and his stroll work and whatnot really fit the area to be filled 
And that's, that's, yep. uh, that's not an easy thing. That's not an easy thing. And that's, of course, you've heard me talk about that ad nauseum, Willie, mm -hmm. about how you got to steady the space to be filled and those lines and stuff. And both of you guys are doing an outstanding job on that. But Ernie, I, you know, I just don't see a dud in your work that way. You just, <clears throat> you really fill up space real nice. Mm. Oh, thank you. And you. And you and he fills it in a way, Carrie. We'll talk about Ernie while he's listening for a minute. You fill it in a way that's so easily interpreted. It's easy to see big leaves, big flow. Um, you don't, you know, that's one of my faults is I get so tight sometimes, so small that hell, you, you, you it, it's hard to see, it's hard to read. The visual impact of your designs are just there, man. It's easy to see, very impactful. Go to this slap you in the face, and that's that's awesome. It's coherent. Getting back to that yep. word, I I start using here a couple of years ago, and I'm people are gonna get tired of me saying that. But like you said, Willie, it's easy to easy to to appreciate. There's harmony. There's compatibility. Yep. There's coherence. All of that stuff fits fits in with a really nice nice work. So, got to say though, really? to change direction a little bit. We're we're gonna uh, uh, my one of my all time favorite stories about Ernie Marsh from probably I don't know five ten years ago or something, and I don't even know if it's true, so so that's why I'm telling it. I'm not asking Ernie to tell it because it pro it may not be true, but uh, he's over in Westfall, Oregon, and and working on his TCA project and just beavering away over this hunched over this work and stuff and, and it just ain't working it just ain't working so he gets frustrated and he steps out on the outside of his shop and he pitches the bit out into the pond you've heard this haven't you willie and, i've told and, it a whole bunch <laughs> and uh and and goes back in and starts all over again and then two weeks later it suddenly dawns on him uh hmm <laughs> And then next thing you know, he's out there with his hip waders in the pond looking for that first project. <laughs> I laugh every time I think about that. Well, the funny part is, is not only I can see Ernie doing it, and uh, and I I have felt very similar to the same thing. It's like crap. The first one was better than the second one. <laughs> that actually, I actually made that. <laughs> it was specific. Uh, I was pranking uh, Kent uh, McCorkle, you know, because we all know what a sorry ass public speaker I am, right? I mean, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like deer in the headlights times three, right? And, and so he was so worried about what I was going to say about my bit, right? That he was trying to get me to tell him in the restaurant while we're sitting at the Cattleman's in Oklahoma City eating, you know, dinner. And and I thought, God dang it, you know, I don't know what I'm going to 
okay? And so I just, I told, I told him that. Yeah, I said, well, I'm the laughing stock of my neighborhood. You know, all the ranchers and everybody's just laughing at me. And, uh, you know, and then I told him that, <laughs> that I screwed the first one up so bad, I got pissed off and threw it in the creek. And, and then uh, then I messed the second one up so bad, I had to go out and get the first one and fix it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he was oh, going right along with it the whole time, you know. And I never told him it was different. <laughs> but anybody would know been to my shop in Westfall that there's there's not a body of water anywhere near that thing. <laughs> there was no water in Westfall, was there? Oh, I had the creek running by my house, but that was about a mile or two away from the shop. Yeah. 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 Um, awesome story. It's truthful, though. We've all felt that frustration in, yeah. in whatever oh, you're doing. You know. I've had to go back and fix things that, that maybe they I didn't have to wade for them, but they might have been at the bottom of a bucket somewhere, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once you get a couple, two or three days or a week into a project, it's kind of hard to let it go. I mean, you know, uh, I think that's part of, uh, oh, part of being accomplished is is bringing some of those projects back from the fiery depths of hell, you know. Uh, (laughs) Right, you know. Never never giving up, learning how to to overcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Mm Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Or another part of being accomplished is mess it up so damn bad you have to throw it in the bucket and start over, right? That's oh, part of the journey as well. You have to be willing to do that, you know? Yeah. But but you're always going to make a mistake here and there, and, and you need to be able to, to fix them. That's, that's a big part of the deal, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I had something I was going to say, Schwartzy, and I didn't forget. You think of something to say. Well, it, the only thought I had on that whole thing is that I don't know if that would be all that funny to a lot of people out there, but it's those of us who've been there where it's just <laughs> yeah. so funny. It's like seeing it's like seeing a horse wreck. You know, nobody gets hurt, but it's a terrible wreck. And 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 there's some there there's this this kind of gallows kind of humor <laughs> go goes with some of that stuff. Yeah. It's so funny, you know, sometimes, I mean, as long as nothing gets hurt, killed or anything, but kind of funny to watch some of that stuff. I guess we, we have to learn well, to, to, to poke fun at ourselves and, and laugh and have a little, and, and that's the thing that Ernie, we, somebody should have been uh, writing all these one-liner Ernie Marsh sayings over the last 25 years. It could, he could write a book and they're, they're all <laughs> just self-deprecating humor stories that are just awesome. It's just awesome. Uh, 20, 20 years of knowing you, Ernie, it's just been full of them. And I, I love, I've loved everyone. And the last time I was at your house, you said it, you're out, you're isolated so far out there and there's so few lights and it's so dark that a flashlight will only go so far. It just, it just won't go any further. <laughs> The dark is too thick. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, that's pretty damn dark if it's so thick a flashlight won't even go through it. <laughs> yeah, just go out there 
ways and quit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or maybe the problem is there's nothing out there to see with it. That could be it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just nothing. Where you uh, where you live there in Lovell is so similar to where I grew up. Your mountains are a little taller, and your water your river's definitely a lot deeper. And well, the 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 creek has water in it. It's a river, right? But the the arid desert it, it's very similar to how I grew up mm-hmm. where I grew up dry yeah dry for a sure little pocket of that that's here you know we're totally surrounded by other stuff right timber and right. mountain things that are green and and uh, <laughs> oh you drop into this hole here it's like man welcome to hell you know <laughs> <laughs> And you chose to live there. You said, yeah, that yeah. sounds just like home, right? So. The low-rent district. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's getting it, – are y'all's hunting season already over or just – Oh, they're going to get rolling here pretty quick. Yeah. Right. Yep. Got plans? You're a hunter too. I'm go get something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we'll step out and hike around a little bit around the house, you know. Right. That's cool. That's cool. Me and my brother-in-law are going to go to the ranch Friday afternoon and enjoy an afternoon of hunting. Maybe the odd dad or the rams are with the ewes right now, so that might be fun. Mm. Maybe we can get us an odd dad. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So you had All kind good. of a major event there about, what, three years, three winters ago, right down there along the oh. river. Yeah, the Holy big ice cow. jam. That sounds like a, though. Mm-hmm. That's got to be the worst nightmare to have a flood in the winter time. Oh yeah, yeah. It was. That it wasn't was, much fun, you know. Oh man. Of course, leave leave You're it to me to move boat. right next to it, <laughs> and then bitch about the flood, you know. But <laughs> but the uh, yeah, the ice just got so thick on the river, and then uh, and it. As it broke up, it got hung out here uh, for about two miles and just pushed the river out of its bank. And, and yeah, yeah, we ended up wearing it, you know. It got about three feet deep in my shop. And, and uh, yeah, that'll slow you down. So I got all kinds of empathy for when I hear people having fires or floods or whatever. Boy, it's it really, I mean, just... It takes a long time to recover, you know, not only financially, but just, just to, geez, rebuild all your fences and everything, you know, so. So the water stayed in the shop, too, for a while, because you have a berm that was supposed to protect mm-hmm. your house, and it flooded over the top of it, so you were in a dirt tank for yeah, a week or two, neighbor, weren't you? my neighbor's berm, yeah, protect his house, yeah. Uh, stop, stop the uh, water from from leaving, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, so it was, it was about three days, but it took three days for that water to for the ice to to break out of there. You know, that uh, was up oh. for three days. Yeah. Yikes! Yeah, good <laughs> gosh. Yeah, but we got got through it. You know, I guess a lot of people have worse problems than that. You know, you you built a new house shortly thereafter to get up on yeah, higher ground too, didn't you? Yeah, we were sitting up here on the hill uh, next to a big fire, watching all of our shit wash away, and 
and we thought this would be a nice place for a house. So, yeah, four four years later, we we got it put together. Yeah, yeah. Teresa and I pretty much built this whole house ourselves, uh, just over time. You know. He had some pretty good engineering stories, Kerry, where he he put a stinger on the end of his bucket of his tractor to lift things up out and over and mm. tied tied in. You didn't you have ropes tied around your waist and hung up on the top and all kinds of stuff. To- <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I got well. I'll show you. See this big post right here. That's a twelve by twelve. Yeah. I got four of those in the house. One on oh, each end, and two in the wood. middle. Oh yeah, twelve by twelve, you know, big old tall thing. And, and so yeah, I had that stinger on my tractor. It was like fish on, you know, uh, trying to stand that thing up long enough to bolt the brackets onto the, you know, on the concrete, right? And uh, yeah, and then, yeah. And then the, uh, the beam up here above. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah. I don't know make stuff hell how would i know and i'd call my friends and they're like well i never done it like that before you know they just want <laughs> they told me to get trusses and stuff right so i'm like well, i don't want trusses i want to do it like this like an old barn you know so uh i basically yeah. just put that beam up there where it is because if somebody gave you a 50 foot 12 by 12 beam how the hell would you get it up there anyway so so uh, I just made it right up there and nailed it all together. Yeah. It should have went over though. <laughs> no. Well, I'm it's have an to awesome come house. Visit. That's all there is to it. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, you need to come see it. Yeah, it's small, mm-hmm. you know, but our kids have grown up and gone, so we didn't need nothing very big anymore, you know. I see it's a lot easier. of people. So they build a great big house because you know those kids need somewhere to come back and visit, but you know, they never <laughs> they never do, do they? <laughs> you do a really good job of raising them; they don't need you real bad anymore. You know that's <laughs> that's, that's, that's the it. payoff you True get story. for being a good parent. You know. <laughs> but, yeah. but now you got to drive to your your trip to Oklahoma City is a little extended now to go see. Is it Milo? I can't remember which one's yeah. gone. It's Milo, isn't it? Milo's the oldest. We stopped. Yeah, we went a roundabout to, to Wisconsin to visit with Milo and then go to Oklahoma and then come back by uh, Torrington, Wyoming and visit my younger son, Audie. Yeah. So, yeah, he's down there in the in the military, you know. So. Yeah, you're going to get it. Your daughters are getting big. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be uh, empty nesters here yourself here in another five or six yeah. years. That's tough. a nice little straight shot, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they're getting tall. Well, uh, what do you I, make not, most not, of these days? Yeah, I Good. guess in six years I will be. Six years I'll be an empty nester then. Katie will be stuck with me. She'll have to deal with me all by herself. I <laughs> uh, just got done with eight pair of spurs for one order, which was a a big old deal. I um 
I, I can't I can't put it on the on the public broadcasting system here of who they're for because it's a, it's a Christmas pre- it's Christmas presents for a particular family. But it was like, golly, talk about mass production! I thought I'd never do that again. Mm. But yes, it's good. Now I'm working on a on a bit for uh, Cowtown Collection show and doing some fun stuff. Overlay, starting overlay, engraving in the steel, kind of my latest little adventure type thing and i and i was going to build a cute little five thousand dollar bit and i think we're dancing all around 7500 right now so that's about right half again as much as you thought it would actually be yeah that's that's tough to do isn't it yeah yeah here we are i'm sure everyone has that problem yeah have to i well Unless you're doing a catalog situation and production deal, right? But in the custom world, it's just, I mean, I'm not, I'm pretty good at bidding, but uh, uh, when you get off into the the bigger projects, it becomes more problematic for sure. I just did a, I did a pair of spurs, uh, right? We got them done before our show. Um, Budget was 20,000. And when I got done with them, it's 20,700. So I felt really good about that and that that on a on a twenty thousand dollar project you got six weeks worth of work and I was within a day of doing my budget. So I was pretty dang tickled how that worked out. Yeah. For sure. That yeah. doesn't always happen. <clears throat> doesn't always happen. I think I'll ever get the hang of that. I'll just <laughs> I've done it wrong so so for so long. I I don't think I'll ever get the hang of that, and so (laughs) just avoid it. Just avoid it. Uh, Run run the other direction. Yeah, it's funny. If people think I don't really care what they want, that is not the way it is. Is that's I worry about it too much. You know, like on a custom. Uh, when I'm cutting out the metal, I'm thinking, "Oh my God! I hope they like this. I hope hope it works for them. I hope <laughs> making the mouthpiece, man. I hope this is exactly what they wanted. I just and I just sweat and I worry through the whole process, and then and then at the very end of that, if they love it, you know, I get vindicated. But if there's anything wrong, it's like, it just crushes me, right? So yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. So on the other hand, take the flip side of that. If I just want to go make a bit that I want to make, I cut the metal out, whistling a tune. I'm having fun the whole time. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. of these and guys love them. This is going to work great. You know, any broke horse will pick this up. You know, this will be sure. And uh, I just really enjoy the process. And, and at the end, when I have the finished piece done, I know just what it, the value is because you don't want to mm. charge too much. If you do, you'll pigeonhole yourself. I mean, you know, if you can make money at a certain price, then maybe that's what you should be doing. If you, if, if you, you know, I tell some of my students, it's like, yeah, you could, you could sell that for a ton, but, but the resale is what's going to determine if the guy got screwed or or whatever, you know? So, I mean, you got to be consistent, right? And and if it just because you like running something through an auction, I mean that's that's awkward. Because what if someone just wants to? It's a benefit auction, and someone decides to just pay a fortune for this thing. Well, now you you don't 
feel like you could go around selling them cheaper than that. But uh, yeah, yeah. And so you're just you just don't make any more like that, you know. So if you don't want to get pigeonholed, you 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 know you allow for everything we've talked about. You know, uh, you have to have a profit in your business, and you have to have an hourly wage, and you have to get paid for for doing your your secretarial work. I mean, how many jobs in your shop do you do? You do a bunch of different jobs in your shop. Oh yeah. Plus you're the secretary, right? So but after exactly. that, I mean, you know, as long as you're as long as you're you know, getting a, a good price for it where you make money, you don't want somebody to pay twice that much. Otherwise, you can't sell it for that without insulting the guy that overpaid, you know. So I don't know. He, and under, Ernie under just it's even worse, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. Ernie just articulated all of our troubles there, Carrie. All in he one did. little one little deal there. Mm. That's that's the truth though, Ernie. I mean it all overcoming all of what you just said right there is the challenges of the day from the well, business standpoint. Yeah, and then and then the other on the other end of it, you donate something to an auction and and it brings half of what it should have brought. Oh yeah. And then the guy that buys it gets a big slap on the back for supporting the the cause. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh that doesn't do you any good at all either. So uh it's better to just uh not get involved with that really or or just guarantee them this you know this if this item doesn't bring uh what it should bring i'll just give you the money you know instead auctions yeah auctions are um yeah are a scary situation they're there well 90 90 percent of the time the people that are organizing the auction have no idea what value what what the value is on your item you know so right yeah i've always considered ernie in the same category on some of this stuff as don king the very first time i met don king standing there in the gallery down in flagstaff arizona probably would have been about 1986 87 somewhere in there and uh he was telling me yeah you know raspy gravelly voice he says yeah i woke up one morning and he just decided i was done was taking saddle orders went out to my sh- my shop and burned them all and he says i never took Good any gosh. money from anybody so but i still pissed a lot of people off <laughs> and he never yeah. took another order again and he just built what he thought would sell of course he had the store there that he could sell some stuff there through the store but that was a long, long time ago when he decided he wasn't going to take any more orders. So when you tell me your huh. your story, I know it was, would have been back in about oh four, oh five, something like that, because my bit was made, I think, mm-hmm. that I got from you about then, and and you had pretty much quit taking orders at that time. So yeah, well, I don't think there's any benefit to being four years out on your stuff. I totally uh, agree, Ernie. Yeah. Like, and that that's the problem I'm in. Mm-hmm. That's the problem I'm miserable. in right now, and I, I got to fix it. It makes it miserable for you, and it makes it miserable yeah. for Nobody wants to wait that long, you know. And 
and uh, no. and they didn't have to. So uh, it's better just not to get in that situation. I was in that situation. I didn't like it. I was, and I think I think I tell a lot of these younger guys, it's like it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to set your business up that way. Uh, the custom order no. on list because. You know, when you make a custom order, especially, you know, like when I was younger, boy, things were tight and we got two little kids and, and, you know, trying to keep the lights on and whatnot and the bills paid and, and you take a custom order and you're just relying on that one person in the whole wide world to pay your, pay all your expenses and, and keep keep your stuff going but that's not even fair to put that kind of pressure on a customer really i mean just because you're living hand house doesn't mean that they're they should get all stressed out about it right so uh if you're just making custom or doing things on spec it's totally reversed you you only need one person out of the whole wide world to step up and do that so that's that's way more better you know well, it's certainly a lot of different ways to skin the old cat there, right? And I think what you're kind of describing, everybody, since I am such a custom guy, is that I'm a turd, and you're a nice guy, Ernie. I, I put a lot of pressure on him. <laughs> yeah, you put a lot of pressure on him, you know. But, I mean, I'd have tons of orders. You'd be out a couple of years on your orders, and, and somebody would call you and, and say, how far out are you? And you'd say, oh, about yeah. two years. And they're like, oh, Okay, I was wanting something sooner, and then you so you wouldn't get their business, and and then you turn right around, call somebody on your list, and and they say, oh gee, my dog just got hit by a car. (laughs) (laughs) Could you move me down the list? So so not only did you not get the guy that called you, you didn't even get the guy on the list. So (laughs) you know things change, and it's just not fair to to put that kind of pressure on on your customers really i mean of course i mean if you you know things are better for you now than they were then i mean but i used to play my stuff was pretty tight man (laughs) it was it was hand to mouth for the first 10 or 12 years of this business right so well you know uh, i i I think it's going to be that way for most makers um being good enough and fast enough in order to charge enough to make a living is really not a reality in the beginning, you know, the, in the apprenticeship stages of your, of your career and, and especially the apprenticeship. And then, and then, and then the journeyman portion of it is, is you're supposed to be making a living, but it, it takes a while to get there. Right. And we tend to skip the apprenticeship portion and just think we're of ourselves as journeymen and we can run our own business. And that's a tough way to go, man. Is and a lot of these younger people, and I suppose we all did the same thing. Is you kind of, you kind of probe around in different directions before you finally settle on yeah. this is the way I'm doing it. You know, so and, and I think get, that's a good thing for for individuals. You know, probe mm-hmm. around, do different things, go about different ways, and like you have found a comfort zone building and and profitability and building things that you like. So why not? Right. Let it roll. Where me, I, I have found uh, I have found a spot in the custom world where I can articulate and, and and make the deal work in the custom world. So it's good for me. But, um, yeah, everybody's got to probe around, find their own way of going about things. Right. And these younger sure. people, if they have the 
I didn't think about it when I was young, but you, it's quite an opportunity when you're first starting to basically shape your body of work the way you want it to be. Yes. Right. So if you're if you're making just anything and everything, and you're yeah. all over the place, and the guy at the cow sale draws out what he wants on a napkin, and you you know that's what you're going to be known for. So. I think as exactly. soon as they can, as soon as they can establish themselves with something people can recognize as their work, the quicker they'll get where they want to go. Get their calligraphy set. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Yeah, they can totally agree. And that's that's why the TCA well, is the short deal. Yeah, so we. We're stuck. <laughs> yeah, we got some we got some lag going on. Okay. What is it, Schwartzy? Oh, just say, saying we uh, ought to go uh, clock in. Get, let let Ernie go get back to work on his pump house, and mm-hmm. we'll go uh, finish up this breast collar and this rough out. And you gotta you gotta send me some spurs, don't you? They are coming. Really? They, they, they are, they are not in the mail yet, but we're putting them all. Well, by the time this is aired, they will hopefully be on well on their way. But today, oh, cool. uh, we'll be putting them on. So. <laughs> Ernie, been, it's been fabulous. <laughs> Everything we wanted to do here today, we did. And uh, we thank you. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Always nice having you, my friend. Mm-hmm. Always. All right. Take care. Talk soon. Adios. All right. <laughs>